You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Howard. Hello, Oilers fans. Thank you once again for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley. Make sure you give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. Before we get going today, got to thank our sponsor, DraftKings. The games are underway, and DraftKings is bringing you to the podium. DraftKings free-to-play pools are available every day of the games in Tokyo and offering a free shot at up to $50,000 in cash prizes. That's up to $50,000 up for grabs, and the best part, it's totally free-to-play. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's events and track your results throughout the evening to see if you will achieve victory. Questions will range from medal count to questions specific to the USA team. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $50,000 in total cash prizes every day of the games in Tokyo. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. And for the Edmonton Oilers, not a lot has changed since the last time we spoke. Of course, they did sign Warren Fogle to a three-year contract, $2.75 million cap hit per year for a guy who's expected to slot into the third-line winger. Of course, he was traded for defenseman Ethan Bear last Wednesday. We're going to talk about that and a whole lot more with Matthew Wanick of TSN 1260. You can catch him from from noon till 2 on the Dave Jameson Show. In fact, he will be hosting for the next month. You can give him a follow on Twitter as well, at Matthew Iwanek. Matt, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing excellent. I've been missing some Oiler talk over the weekend, so figured let's get right into it. Absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's a long weekend, holiday Monday. It's rainy out. There's probably nothing else to do as we tape this, so we might as well talk about the Edmonton Oilers. And I, I kind of mentioned it there. Dave Jameson, for those who don't know, underwent a procedure on Friday for a cancer treatment. And, uh, Maddie, have you heard an update on Mr. Jameson? Yeah, so as he mentioned um, on the show Thursday that uh, he'll be gone for a little bit as uh, he's going for surgery and uh, recovery and uh, was able to speak with his daughter and stuff and uh, all is good. You know, the surgery went well by all accounts and Dave's doing well, you know, coming out of surgery, a little bit groggy, but uh, Dave's doing good. Surgery went well, so it's all been positive news and uh, hopefully it's all, you know, keeps going uphill from here that uh, the hard part is over. Absolutely, and I mean, as as much as I love you hosting behind the mic, can't wait till Jamo gets back. Uh, we're all thinking of him, and uh, I mean, the way he's handled this, he he's kicked ass. He's been so upfront about it and honest, and you know, I I think that uh, we know the fighting spirit that he has. I know he's going to be back in the building, back behind the mic in no time. Uh, Matty, let's talk about those Edmonton Oilers, and uh, I guess we'll start off with Warren Fogle. Of course, you know, the team brought him in to to provide a little bit more depth on the bottom six. It did cost them Ethan Bear. Before we get into that trade, uh, what do you think of the? Con- contract for him yeah it seems like it's a good contract two years two seven five you know it's whenever you see that deal that's worth one or two years that's less than you know two and a half and this one's just a little shy over that two points and two and a half so um it's a fine contract for me because it's just one of those situations where okay this year it doesn't work you're only stuck with it for one year and worst case if you have to bury it in the minors you know it's not a lot that stays on your cap so it's 
Um, it's one of those, to me, almost no-risk situations. Your 2.75 doesn't seem like too much. Uh, when you're dealing with a, a top-nine forward, someone who's going to play on your third line, uh, 2.75 seems like a decent price. So uh, overall, I, I will say this, uh, for him as a player, I, I'm not going to be one of those people that has this major hot take on Warren Fogle because I'll admit, I didn't watch the Hurricanes that closely this year that I don't have this strong hot take on the type of player he could be for this team. Um, but based on everything we're hearing, um, everything I've read on him, it's this is a guy that's going to help the Oilers uh, you know, depth-wise in the forward group and on that third line. And uh, when you look at the Edmonton Oilers overall, um, they need to make changes. You know, that this wasn't a team that you could just go back year to year with the same group. And uh, here's one of those players that comes in that's a change. And uh, clearly, if you're going to give up on a guy like Ethan Bear, Ken Holland's got to like him. So I'm excited to see what he can do for the Oilers overall for the contract. I'm pretty fine with it. Yeah, I mean, like, if you look back at the last three years in the NHL for him, the, the games have declined with the amount that he's played. Obviously, the COVID pandemic playing a role in that one, but the goals have kind of stayed the same and even gone up in 2019-2020 uh, where he had 13 goals in 68 games. Uh, you, you throw in another 20 games for the the games that were lost out on, or I shouldn't say 20, but, you know, 15, 14, and maybe he's a 15, 17 goal scorer. So you had that guy to your lineup in the bottom six. I mean, that that's big. And I spoke to uh, Corey Lavalette, who covers the team out in Carolina, and he said, you know, the, the upside is there. It's just consistency. So, I mean, if you're going to take a shot at this guy, put him around some talents, you know, you think that those numbers can go up. And for a third liner, that's a good sign. Although the one concern I would have is the consistency because, uh, look, the Oilers had a bottom six guy who was really good too, but his problem was consistency. And uh, this past year, it was actually probably his best year with the Oilers in Jujar Kara, um, where he didn't battle that consistency, but he battled some health things and he went off to Chicago. So hopefully this is a team that he can find his comfort level and and, and find that game and play well because, you know, again, like Kara, you, you don't want a guy that's just going to show up you know, half the time, and the other half, you, you know it's there, but it's not, you know, the, the results aren't being there. Um, so like I said, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see how we'll play with the Oilers. Uh, the other thing, too, if I'm not mistaken, like he's just also a bigger body in a sense, so he brings a little bit uh, of some physical play, which the Oilers are going to need. Yeah, I mean, if he falls into the Jujar Kara conversation, or the, the people put him, you know, as a, as a comparison, then something went totally wrong. Because Kara only got, you know, past 10 goals once in his career. Warren Fogel's in at the last three years. So, I get what you're saying, though. I mean, the, the inconsistency in the bottom six, you can't have a guy that disappears. They gotta bring it night in and night out, and hopefully, Warren Fogel is able to do that. Were you surprised to see Ethan Bear go back the other way? No, it made sense that Ethan Bear was getting traded, you know, especially when we saw the reports the night before that Tyson Berry was coming back and Cody Cece was going to sign you of Evan Bouchard. You knew at that point, like, that something had to change, especially like even before the CC announcement, if it was going to be Barry, Baron, Bouchard, it just doesn't make sense to have three puck movers on your right side of the fence that something was going to give. Um, I'm surprised the Oilers didn't value Ethan Bear a little more. Where, you know, I see Ethan Bear as a guy who can be a top four defender, um, whereas Warren Fogel is a top nine forward. I don't picture him as a top six forward. Um, so I would have figured that they maybe valued Ethan Bear a little bit more and could have got a little more value for him. Um, but, you know, Ken Holland's going to have his price that he, he, he has. For, you know, he, he had to go out and get a forward. And instead of doing it through free agency, it cost him Ethan Bear. So uh, ultimately, I'm just more surprised that maybe they couldn't get a little more something with. Fogel or, or, you know, get something else for Ethan Bear, but I'm not surprised that the Oilers moved on from him. 
We'll stick with the bottom six here since we just talked about Fogle. Of course, the Oilers also signing Derek Ryan, and everyone knows this story. Played with the Golden Bears, went to a year of worked his way up, went to the Carolina Hurricanes, then to Calgary. Now he travels a couple hours north, signing a two-year deal with the Edmonton Oilers. Pretty low contract, uh, $1.25 million cap it. Similar to Fogle, like you said, if worst-case situation and he's not a guy you want on your team, you can bury him in the minors, and it's only going to cost you $250,000. What did you make of his signing, and where do you think he slots into the lineup? I like the signing. Um, you know, there is, you pointed out the U of A connection, which is always nice. <laughs> everyone um, mentions that, so I just yeah, didn't want to be out, you know? It, right? So, uh, you know, I like it. I, I think there's a guy that, you know, initially I would think is going to be somewhat penciled maybe for third line type spot, um, for this team. But, um, I, I guess somewhat that's also going to come down to just how everyone comes in a training camp. I, I know most people aren't projecting Kyle Turris to be on this team and, I wouldn't necessarily project him to be the third-line center of the Amazonas, but all we've heard so far from Turris is he's in Edmonton and he's working really hard. He wants to prove himself. So I'm really intrigued to see what he can do come training camp, and maybe there's a little bit of competition and he pushes some of these people, um, especially the new Oilers that are coming in, to try to crack this roster as opposed to um, what we most all expect will happen with Kyle Turris, and that's being sent down to the minors for the year. Um, but initially, I just I think Derek Ryan's a guy that, you know, this year's Kyle Turris in a sense where he's going to slot in on that third line possibly right now in pencil if Dave Tippett's looking at his depth chart um, and has him there maybe with a Fogel and – I know probably a Cassian on his right side and going, there's your shutdown checking line. And um, to me, that doesn't sound terrible. Um, doesn't sound too bad for the Edmonton Oilers. Um, but right now, that's kind of where I have Derek Ryan. What about you? Yeah, for me, it's third or fourth line center. Uh, if Ryan McLeod is able to, you know, jump up there and, and steal a spot, maybe those 14 games in the NHL go a long way and, and push him a little bit. Uh, to me, I think it's interchangeable. And, uh, you know, if Ryan McLeod does trend in the right direction, you slide him up to the third line center. If not, you go with Derek Ryan. And to me, uh, yeah, I think it's a really good signing. I just think that he brings such a good thing to the room. I mean, his, his story is unreal. And by all accounts, uh, you know, his work ethic hasn't changed. He just still doesn't look at it as himself as a, you know, an everyday NHLer. Like he's still out there with that chip on his shoulder trying to prove himself to the, the team. And I think that's a good sign. Like the Oilers have a lot of guys who, who could probably use that and, and have kind of the humbling experience in the locker room. So I was a big fan of the deal. I, and, and it's so ro- uh, low risk. Like worst case scenario, he's in Bakersfield and it's no big deal. He's probably a guy that can also be your 13th forward if he has to sit out for a few games. Like he seems like a team first guy. So I, I really like that move and I think it's good for the bottom six. Um, the big, the big one, Zach Hyman, of course, signing the seven year deal with the Oilers, uh, took a little bit longer for the deal to fall out. And, uh, kind of, I don't think anyone really questioned that it was going to happen, but people may be wondering what took so long. Where do you think he's going to slot in the lineup? Do you like him with McDavid or do you think he could be a fit with Drysidle? I think he's with McDavid to start. I think that's kind of where you're going to have to pencil him in. I think this gives the opportunity. For some reason, Dave Tippett focused mightily on making sure Connor McDavid had a winger last year, whether it was Ryan Nugent Hopkins or Leon Dreisaitl. He liked putting one of them with McDavid and not having Dreisaitl with Nugent Hopkins. And I think now this gives Dave Tippett the chance to try to see if he can get that magic back together between Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins, and he's got a winger for McDavid. That McDavid's then not just left with the spare pieces. McDavid's got a quality player to his left side. So I think to start the year... I would guess that you're going into camp if you're Dave Tippett with McDavid in, in between Hyman and Puglia and you've got that 
um, dry settle Nugent Hopkins Yamamoto line on that as your second line and, and go from there and see what happens. That's how I would envision it to start um, with Zach Hyman, who also brings a little bit of that physical play. So, he, you know, if people want to quote unquote protect Connor McDavid, you know, you, you've got him on that line there as well. But I love the interchanging that you can do between the centers and the left wings of the two lines for Dave Tippett because. You know, you could always, is, is, you, the question you started with is, would you play Hyman with Dreisaitl? Well, that means Nugent Hopkins with McDavid. So, And I know last year it wasn't five-on-five five the best from Ryan Nugent Hopkins, but I think he'll take a step back up. I, I think that was just a little bit of a soft year for him, and I think they could figure it out together. But there's a second option where you can have Nugent Hopkins with McDavid and Dreisaitl uh, with Hyman. And then, worst case, you know, well, I shouldn't say worst case, but you know, if you want to put McDavid and Dry settle together for a period of time, you got Ryan Nugent Hopkins in between, or you know, in between whoever on the right side and Zach Hyman. So you got a lot of moving parts if you're Dave Tippett for the top six, and that's not even talking about the idea that some people are throwing out there of Ryan Nugent Hopkins actually being a third line center. Um, but I, I think right now, with the way this team is made up, I think Hyman would be with McDavid to start the year, and Dry settle would be with Nugent Hopkins. I like the idea of Ryan Nugent Hopkins playing as a third line center. Like hypothetically, if you were to able to go out there and sign a, a Thomas Tatar to play left wing on the second line with Leon Dreisaitl, or you know, interchangeable in that top line, and Hyman slides down to the second line. Like I think if if Ken Holland can go out there and find another left winger, I think that's a great move. But you know, I, I don't know if there's anyone out there right now outside of Thomas Tatar that kind of stands out to me that could do that and and might work out well. Do you like the idea though of McDavid? Playing with Leon Dreisaitl, maybe it's Pulleyarvi or maybe it's Kyler Yamamoto, but then throwing out that second line of Nugent Hopkins and Hyman, like I, we we saw a Nuge last year five on five, it wasn't great. But do you think the addition of Hyman could maybe uh, just inject a little life into that second unit and, and make you comfortable with rolling them out and still having the opportunity to you know control the play in the other end? I like it as um, in, in, not in, in case of emergency, but for lack of a better term, right now. And in case of emergency, we know that Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid together are the best duo in hockey for the last however many years. When they're together, it's just utter brilliance between the two of them. But Leon Dreisaitl, I believe, is just too talented. that The center position is so important. I'd want my two guys in McDavid and Dreisaitl, one, two, in center. And it'd be like Pittsburgh would probably be the best example of this, Crosby and Malkin. And for years, they were separate lines. They're separate lines. But every so often during seasons, for short periods of time, or if you just need to change things up, they would throw Malkin with Crosby. But for the most part, they built two lines, one around uh, Crosby, one around Malkin. And that's what I would like the Oilers to do is you've got two of the top, you know, at the very least, you've got two of the top five forwards in all of hockey on your team. Don't load it up on one line. Make the opposition have to deal with two strong lines. Where one time the defense is out there, they got to deal with McDavid. One time it's out there, they got to deal with Drysaddle. And the team that has to split their defensive assignments to two different stars, two different great players. And it's in those moments where something happens. You need a spark in a game, or for a couple of weeks, you know, or for like a week, you know, you've had a little bit of rough time. You just want to get that spark for the team for a week or something like that. Then you put them together. But for the most part, I just. I don't like the idea of loading up one line. I like Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I like Zach Hyman. I think they'll play, they could play well together. But to me, just loading up one full line, all the opposition has to do, and it's not an easy task, but all they have to do is really shut that top line down. <laughs> and then there's a drop down, as opposed to, okay, well, you got to make a decision. Do you want to put your best defenders out against 
Leon or is it against Connor? And whatever you pick, well, the other person gets a little bit of a better advantage. And that's what I would try to do if I'm the Oilers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, how many times in that Winnipeg Jets series uh, would we see the McDavid dry side of line go out there? And then as soon as they came off, like, the Jets would just control the momentum. And it it obviously raised concerns about the bottom six and, you know, maybe even the bottom nine when you put those two together. So obviously Hyman, Fogel, uh, Derek Ryan, great additions to the team. You hope they all can pan out. One guy who's kind of had a, well, he's had a really interesting time in Edmonton. I remember when he was first acquired, there were some people that were skeptical. I'm talking Zach Cassian, of course. He kind of earned his way into the hearts of fans. But it's been really up and down since. There was a trade request involved there. We thought potentially he'd be left unprotected and might be out to Seattle. And then there was even reports that they were protecting him because there might be a trade. Now, right now, he's in my bottom six, either a third or fourth line right wing. Depends what happens with Josh Archibald. Where is he in your lineup? Uh, to me, that's exactly where he is. He's in that bottom six. There's no way he's getting in the top nine for or top six for me because... Uh, one, Yessi Pugliarvi has no reason to not be in the top six based on his performance last year. Um, and I would rather have, you know, look, you, you could say that Kyle Yamamoto needs to have a better year, but that doesn't mean Kasten then deserves the spot over uh, Yamamoto. I think the player who's most recently played better, it would be Yamamoto, and that's the guy I would rather have in my top six. But I think Zach Kasten's got to come in, and he's got to go earn it. He's got to go and show that if he wants to be in the top six, just like we did with Paul Yarvey last year. Everyone coming in said, you can't give him minutes. You can't just put him in the top six. He's got to go earn it, and he earned it. He started off in the bottom six, and he earned his way back up, and he stayed there. I would do the same thing with Cassian. He'd be starting on my bottom six. He'd be a good third liner for me. You know, bring that physical game. Can be on your checking line. And if he plays well, if he produces, then yeah, if Yamamoto's not playing well, you see what he can do in your top six. But overall, to start, he's got to be in his bottom six, and he's got to earn his way up because this guy has not played well. Now, I know there's a little bit of injuries last year, but he hasn't played well since his contract at the end of January, early February of 2020. And I know you can make the argument that no fans, but I'm sorry, everyone else figured it out at some point. Zach Cassian, I think just with his age, he might be losing some of his game. So with the style of player he is, especially that I'm not just putting him in the top six. He's got to go earn it for me. Yeah, and I mean, I, w- I would love that because I'm not sold that Kyler Yamamoto was 100% a second-line winger. You know, on a good team, if he drops down to the third line, I mean, he could excel there. He could be a great player there, especially with that tenacity that he brings. And I'm sure, you know, if, if he can keep up, you know, that style of play and mix in the production, yeah, he'll be a great fit in your top six. But, I mean, I I think that's that right side is kind of up for grabs, whether it's Archibald, Cassie, and Yamamoto. Right now, JP has the top spot on lock, but... That could change, and I think Cassian does have that skill set. If in a pinch, he could go play up there, but I don't think it's a long-term solution. Uh, and Zach Cassian, I mean, you mentioned the age, obviously, you know, young in terms of uh, the real world, but in the hockey world, getting a little bit older, and he's still got three more years left on his uh, contract. Cap hit is $3.2 million. That's one that might be tough to swallow in the next couple of years, so I guess we'll see what happens with that one. Uh, one more guy I wanted to ask you about on uh, the top six, while well, we kind of glazed over it a little bit there, is Kyler Yamamoto. Uh, and I mean, if I'm Coach Dave Tippett, I might be pulling Leon Dreisel aside and say, hey, like, do you have a preference between Kyler Yamamoto or Cassian? Like, who, who do you like playing with? Because I want to keep my superstar happy if he's on that second line. Yeah, um, see, and I, that's the one thing, though, is if you're Dave Tippett, do you not have some 
some belief in there that maybe you can get that line going again, the dry line, you know, <laughs> where, you know, do not give that try because you didn't really try it last year that much. And then you did put it together late if you're Dave Tippett, but, you know, I mean, we didn't see the results like we did the year prior, but also just things were moving around. And I wonder if there's a little bit of, you know, you got to give Kyler Yamamo a little bit of a chance because there was so much changes to that second line. Like at times we saw dry settle centering it. At times we saw Ryan Nugent Hopkins centering it. At times we saw Ryan McLeod centering it. Uh, there was a point in the season where Yamamoto was thrown on the right side of McDavid. Like he was moved around a lot. Um, and I, I wonder if just the lack of consistency with who he was going over the boards with affected him a little bit because he is a younger hockey player and he, he is still, you know, developing and, you know, I, I don't want to call him a prospect or anything, but he's really young still. He, he's in his early 20s. Um, and, and there's still a lot of development to come to a player like that. That I, I wonder if last year just he got messed up a little bit without you know having the consistent centerman or consistent line mates um, that you know maybe he needs. So um, if I'm tipping, I I don't know if I would go to dry settle right off the bat. I, I think more I would go to Yamamoto, Cassian, and Archibald and say, look, this is training camp. The point of training camp is to earn spots. Go earn it. Whoever wins this, you're going to get this spot and, and almost just force the players to make the decision. <laughs> and, I mean, the motivation might be to play with Leon Dreisaitl. Like, you know, you go out there, play well, you're with Leon. Uh, MVP, 100-point uh, player, 50-goal scorer. Otherwise, you're playing with Derek Ryan or Ryan McLeod. Uh, you know, maybe a little motivation there to play with one of the best in the world and, you know, obviously go out there and pump up your numbers a little bit, earn that money. Uh, maybe not so much for Zach Cassian, who's already getting that money, but for, for uh, Kyler Yamamoto, some motivation there as well. Uh, we didn't even get into Cody Ceci. Of course, he signed a deal with the Oilers as well. It's a four-year contract. Uh, cap hit, a $3.25 million each year. He comes over from the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's also played with the Sens and the Maple Leafs. Um, I talked to Seth Rohrbaugh, who covers the team out in Pittsburgh, and he said that you know it was kind of tough to tell, shortened season, and uh, it was only a one-year contract, so you had a really motivated player trying to get that big contract, which he did. But his thoughts on it were, you know, if you're playing him on the second pairing, you've probably got a pretty good guy, uh, can go out there for a little bit of penalty kill time as well. What did you make of the contract and the length? of the contract for Cody Ceci. Yeah, a little long with the four years, but I, I look at it and, you know, based on some of the numbers, um, he's slightly worse than Adam Larson, but he's, he's pretty comparable. Like, he had a pretty decent year compared to, like, if you're going to compare him to Adam Larson, that the Oilers were about to give four or five years to Adam Larson in the range of $4 million. So if this is a player that can play close to what Adam Larson gave you, and you're saving $750,000, well, we would have all been thrilled with Adam Larson on 4x4 or something like that. And so this guy's getting 4 by 325 Now the concern I have is, as you just mentioned it from your guest in Pittsburgh, he was on a one-year you know, contract year, which we do see often players playing different when uh, they're trying to get that next contract. And we've got, and, you know, Cody Cece, you've got your contract now. So um, this first year is going to be very interesting because if he doesn't produce, then yeah, you're stuck with a, a four year contract. Um, with, you know, and it's the term more than money that, that just gets to me. Um, but if he can play and he's, I, I don't want to say a poor man's Adam Larson, but just a slightly lesser Adam Larson, I think then the contract's going to be just fine because it just works. You know, again, you had a little bit of cap savings. Um, and this is a guy that's just playing on your, your second pairing and could play, be a little bit of a guy that goes out on the penalty kill. So I'm not too, you know, outraged or anything like that with Cody Cece. Um, but it's one that, you know, if things do go bad, 
that fourth year is pretty tough because it's going to be tougher to get out of this contract. You'd have to probably wait till the end of next year when there's two years left for you to move it or try to eat some contract and send it out somewhere else. Um, but, you know, if he can play somewhat close to what Adam Larson did, I think then you're perfectly fine and happy if you're Ken Holland and the Oilers. Yeah, I mean, my biggest fear going into this upcoming season was that you're going to have Duncan Keith out there with an Evan Bouchard or, you know, just a younger guy. And it's well documented that last season in Chicago, the last couple of years, he's been playing with younger, inexperienced defense partners, and it's reflected in his game. Now, Cody Cece, certainly a veteran guy. He's been around the block. Uh, do you think that pairing with Duncan Keith can be a formidable shutdown pairing? Because, I, I mean, you have Darnell Nurse, but I don't think you're asking him and Barry to, to play that shutdown role. No, no, you're not. <laughs> and, um, you know, Darnell Nurse could do that, but you're not going to have them out there. It's, it's going to be interesting because, I don't know, It's I think Duncan Keith can play well for this team. Him and Cody Cece, though, Am I right now on August 2nd or whatever it is, you know, ready, you know, comfortable with them going over the boards and key moments for this team? Initially, my gut says no a little bit, but we'll have to wait and see. At the very least, you got veterans. You know, you guys got you got two guys who've been around the game for a little bit. Duncan Keith, obviously, a lot longer than Cody Cece, who's in, what, late 20s. Um, but they've got a, quite a bit of hockey games, but both under their belt. So um, you would hopefully trust them in, in moments that they can go out there and do the job. Um, but that's one for me. It's just a wait and see because Duncan Keith is that unknown for this team in, in a large way. He's not Duncan Keith of old. You know, he's, he's a 38-year-old. Um, he, he has seen his talent go down a bit. Can he handle this with Cody Cece? I guess only time's going to tell. What do you think of Evan Bouchard going into, uh, let's say, num- year number two with the Oilers? Let's not count the, the first year where he played seven games, but he got into 14 games last season, spent the whole season with the club, two goals, three assists, five points total at a penalty, dash two when it comes to plus minus. But, I mean, you saw how calm, cool, and collected he was when he was out there. How big of a step do you think he can take in year his first full year with the big club? Um, I think he can take a pretty good step. Uh, I, I will start by saying... You know, prospects don't all just trend upwards in a straight line that is perfect for everyone. There are going to be ups and downs. Um, going in from last year to this past season, everyone thought Ethan Bear and Caleb Jones are going to be these two guys that were going to have great years. And, and we saw both of them not develop and go in that straight line um, upwards, in a, if you will, um, at like a 45-degree angle or anything like that. So I, I, initially, it's just you got to hold back and, and – you know, understand that not everyone's Connor McDavid or, you know, who goes out there and just could dominate this game. I think we can see him take that next step forward because he, he did look pretty good last year in those that short time that he did play with the team. And there were a couple of moments in a couple of games where you go, okay, well, he's young. And But a lot of other times you just saw him out there and he looked poised. He looked like an NHL defenseman. And now the Oilers are sheltering him too. Like he gets to go be an everyday NHLer at this moment in time but he's on the third pairing, and he's not the guy that you're requiring to run your power play. He gets to slowly develop into that role, and that's one thing that's nice about having Tyson Berry back on his three-year deal in that, you know, Barry can run the number one power play in hockey for the next couple of years, and you could slowly throw Evan Bouchard in there. Whereas if you didn't have Tyson Berry and Evan Bouchard is being thrown there next year possibly, there's a lot of pressure on a young kid. So I think he has the ability to grow and get as better as an NHL defender, partly because we're seeing something with the Oilers that we haven't seen often with young defensemen, and that's them being sheltered. That's them being placed down the lineup and slowly working them way up. We all remember Justin Schultz here. 
He was the number one defender for the Edmonton Oilers. That's not where he needed to be to start his career. For Evan Bouchard, one day he's going to be the top right-handed defenseman of this team. It's not this year, and that's perfect that there's having him on number three, and then we're going to see how he can progress, and the Oilers are going to do what they can, clearly, to try to grow him there because they made the choice. They moved on from Ethan Bear, and they kept Evan Bouchard. They had that choice there. They could have kept Ethan Bear and throw Evan Bouchard back down to the minors or something like that or attempted things like that or had him as a seventh defenseman. They believe in Evan Bouchard, so I think we're going to see a year where he's going to start growing even more as an NHL defender, and I love how the NHL, the Oilers are going about this, too. And I, I honestly love it. Like, and I, I don't put too much stock into this, but I, I do think there is a little bit of a benefit with having Duncan Keith there. Like, the guy's just one on every level. He's, you know, future Hall of Famer. I think one of the top 100 players in the NHL, and they did that vote. Uh, and even though some people disagree with the people on that list, but I mean, just, I, I hope he's pretty much like living in his back pocket. Just pick up on the subtle things that he does, the work ethic, um, you know, the, the things he says on the bench. Just try to pick his brain as much as you can. And I, I hope that goes for every Oilers player because Duncan Keith has, you know, he's got the Hall of Fame resume. Do you buy into the fact that he can be someone who, um, not only on the ice, but just off the ice, he can really benefit these younger players and the guys that know they need to take that next step in their game? Uh, and that only comes is that's the type of person you want to be. Do you want to be a person that's um, willing to, to teach and mentor? And by reporting from Chicago, was he was one of those guys in the locker room out there. So I would envision that that's something he would do here, and I then do value that. Not everyone who wins is even good at it wants to be a mentor, wants to be that guy where everyone's coming to. So um, you have to find that right person, and I think Duncan Keith would be that. And so, you know, you could say what you want about his game and his talent, and eventually that goes away from everyone. Every player loses their talent at some point. The brain, you know, your mind, it doesn't go away that quickly, and, and you know, at the NHL level. Duncan Keith still has a wealth of knowledge and a wealth of intelligence when it comes to his hockey IQ. So you're right, like, there's a lot there to be learned if you're an Evan Bouchard or any other NHLer about, you know, one, how to be a blue liner or how to go win, how to be in those big moments and, and deal with things. Duncan Keith has done that. So there is value in that, and I do believe that. And, and based on everything we know of Duncan Keith, that he is that guy. So, no, I, I get that part with Duncan Keith coming in, um, that he can be a guy that helps just everyone, but a lot of the young defenders um, just grow and become better as NHLers and professionals. So I think, you know, obviously Darnell Nurse, Tyson Berry, top pairing, Duncan Heath, Cody Cece, your second pairing, Evan Bouchard on your third pairing with the potential to work his way up if he can develop properly this season. And like you said, it's not straight up. There's going to be dips, but I, I don't think I'd be surprised if he worked his way up the lineup. Left wing on the third pairing. Is it Chris Russell for you, or do you like Willie Legison? Uh, well, would they bring back Slater Cuckoo? Not yet. No, will they? Like, oh, sorry, they did like, they? That's a good I, question. I like what Slater Cuckoo did. I wonder what else the others are going to do. I like. Well, I don't know which way he shoots. I know Ryan Murray is a guy that's being thrown out there um, a lot. Is Ryan Murray a guy that can come in and slot there? Um, is he a left-handed? Uh, Ryan Murray, he is left-handed, yes. Yeah. Okay. So he would There's fit. a lot of talk with him, I know, uh, of potentially being signed. So I think there's a lot of unknowns to that yet because I don't think Ken Holland's done and we we don't know. Right now, like, it, uh, I would rather Chris Russell over Legacy almost just because uh, I would like a, a veteran out there with Evan Bouchard as opposed to pairing it like two young guys together and throwing them out there. Um, but, you know, you, you do want to start developing some of these young guys and, and getting them in the lineup. But I, I would prefer Chris Russell to start. But, you know, if you can bring in a Ryan Murray or something, or I, I just really like Slater Cuckoo's play, 
I'm okay with that with them. Yeah, I mean, I would love Ryan Murray. I think that would be a that would be a great signing if Ken Holland can do it. Maybe it's a one year deal on a, a lower cost, but uh, kind of prove yourself. Similar to Tyson Berry last year, where you can come here have a good year and and then head into free agency once again. Slater Cuckoo would be a good option as well. Yeah, I'm just not too sure if I'm sold on the Willie Legacy and Chris Russell back and forth, um, especially being a partner with Evan Bouchard. I'd love to have somebody out there who you can roll out and say, this is our guy. You know, unless there's injury, this is going to be your partner going forward. Get comfortable with it and uh, and go from there. So uh, go ahead. Oh, and I'm just and I really like Chris Russell almost as a seventh defender too. So if you can find someone else to play in the left spot, like a, a Ryan Murray or something, that'd be great because Chris Russell at times can play the right side. So in an NHL season, injuries do happen. You have a guy who can just go play either side if you're Dave Tippett. If you need to move things around, you can just slot him in on a, and and move the pieces around accordingly. As opposed to okay, well we got to call somebody up from Bakerfield or anything like that. The, the, that little bit of versatility, I'd like him as a seventh defenseman for the team. And uh, I mean, I, I just always look back to that 2012 draft. You could have had Ryan Murray first overall and had a solid defenseman. You opted for Neil Yakupov. But you could have had Ryan Murray on your team already. Would have been the the safe, solid pick. Uh, that that draft is actually really funny to go look back at. Like the guys that went top five, clearly Morgan Raleigh's the best. But th- there's some uh, there's some good players if you scroll a little bit further down the list. Now, before we get to the goaltending, looking at the skaters, um, get the get the the image in front of your face. Looking at this team, what grade would you give Ken Holland for the off season? So are we talking just skaters? Just skaters. Well, the goaltending situation is a whole other conversation. That changes everything there. Uh, defense, I'm not too sold on it. Um, I would give it a C, maybe. I think that's what I gave it earlier this week or last week. Um, a, a C, just because um, I'm worried about trading a young defense and like Ethan Bear away. Uh, I do like the contract to Tyson Berry. Um, but you did lose Adam Larson. Cody Cease, even though I said, you know, I like his contract, but he's a little bit of a drop down from, um, from Larson. And, you know, who knows about Duncan Keith? We've got to go with C there. I don't think you'd be overly confident, um, as of right now, if you're an Oilers fan with that defense. For a group, I would give it a B. Um, you know, I'm not a fan of the term that Zach Hyman got in terms of seven years. I feel like he could be the mistake, uh, um, of the off season. I, I felt that for weeks. Um, but for next year, I think you'll play well with either Connor or Leon. Um, he plays well with superstars. You know, if you, I think that could have been a knock on him in Toronto. That the reason he got numbers is because he played with a Matthews and a Marners and them. But the Edmonton Oilers have better superstars, so I'm not worried if he can produce with superstars. He can produce. Uh, you know, bringing in Derek Ryan, Warren Fogle, they, they've changed the team, so I'd give it a B. So whatever that average works out to a B minus C plus, that's what I would have for the forward or the skaters. Well, now we got to go to the goaltending position, and uh, this is where I give, I, I think i got to give Ken Holland a big F. Now, bringing back Mike Smith, I don't think anyone's going to be too concerned about that. A $2.2 million cap hit for two years. Some people might question the second year, but I'm, I'm sure there was some negotiating that went into that and uh, made the, the transition to the contract just a little bit smoother. But, of course, you got Miko Koskinen as well. Um, this is the the goaltending that a lot of us thought you're probably not going to win more than one or two series with. It probably just can't get you that far. What do you make of it if this is what we see with the Oilers uh, goaltending duo in 2021, 2022? And I mean, is it fair to criticize Ken Holland for for not going out there and making something happen, even if the price would have been a little more steep? Um, if the Oilers are going back with Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen or Alex Stalock even next year. 
I'm with you. It is a complete F from Ken Holland. Um, you, you can't do that because one, it's, that means two straight off seasons. Ken Holland has gone out there trying to adjust his goaltending and hasn't been able to do that. And in two off seasons, goalies move. It's not like there weren't any goalies out there. And don't give me this excuse that players don't want to come to Edmonton and what can you do? Other Boilers have come to Edmonton. The Oilers have just signed Zach Hyman. They re-signed Tyson Berry. Um, you know, they brought in Cody Cease. You don't give me that garbage. And if that's the case, too, that you know players don't want to come to Edmonton, what can you do? They never have an expectation that the Oilers are going to win the Stanley Cup because how are the Oilers ever going to win the Stanley Cup if the players don't want to come here? Like We might as well just get into a soccer model here where we're looking at the Oilers as trying to just be a team that makes the playoffs, and you should be happy with that. If you're going to give an excuse to Ken Holland of, well, you players don't want to come, so what can you do? Then we can never judge him for winning a Stanley Cup or not because what's he supposed to do if he can't go sign players? He needed to go address that in two years, and he didn't. And Miko Koskinen's not the guy, and Mike Smith had a great year last year. I have no problem with Mike Smith coming back. He needed to be in with the training camp next year, though, with that next goalie of the Edmonton Oilers. Mike Smith had the best year at, of his career at, what, 38? Um, he turned 39 since 2009-10 season, I believe it was, when he was with Arizona. Yeah. To believe he's going to produce at that level again is one of the biggest risks you can have out there. What goalie keeps getting better as they're getting to their 40s? This is a guy who's dealt with a couple of injuries over the last few years that potentially, you know, you get that groin injury. Mm, How long is he going to be down for? Like, I like Mike Smith. I think he can help this team next year. But he can't be your number one. And by the end of this year, he was the number one, and Mikko Koskinen was number two. And to be in this win-now mode, and you're trusting a 39-year-old to replicate what he did, that's something he hasn't done the eight seasons prior, that is an ultimate risky bet in the, one of the most important positions in all of sport, and that's goaltenders. So for Ken Holland not being able to go out there and get that next goalie to play alongside Mike Smith, that's just and and you just have Mike Smith come back a year older. That's two straight off seasons that he wasn't able to do it. It's an absolute F for me. Yeah, and I mean you got to factor in that last year was a shortened season and he missed the first few weeks as well. So he came back to a you know like a forty game season where he was able to to play very well. But this is an eighty two game season, and mm-hmm. you know even if let's say you get him into fifty games, which to me would be the max you want. Do you want Mikko Koskinen out there in thirty two of those games where potentially he's letting in that first goal of the game and, and putting you back before uh before the ice is even dry? Like it's it, it would just be an utter failure to me if that's what happens going forward for the Oilers. Well, absolutely. And like oh, the two parts that I'll start with the Koskinen part, like you have all these people who are now going, well, you know, I don't mind Koskinen as a backup. <laughs> yeah, but two weeks ago, if we said, what should the others do with me? Koskinen, your answer would have been to buy him out or get rid of him at all costs. Now, the only reason people are okay with it is because that's what it looks like the others might have to do. As for the Mike Smith part of it, we also have to remember, like, this was a unique year when it came to the schedule where one, you only saw, you know, six other teams. And you saw them back-to-back nights and things like that. And, you know, you can build a rhythm against the team and you, you can go out there and grow from game one into game two because you're seeing the same team. You're not getting that this year. Even on a road trip, you're not in a city now for three days or whatever, or three games and five nights or something like that. We're back to the old schedule where you're in L.A. one night, then you're in Anaheim, then you're in San Jose, then you're in Vegas, and then you're back to Edmonton. And then all of a sudden you're in Seattle, Vancouver, Calgary. And there's a lot of movement. There's a lot of travel. Uh, there's back-to-backs. There's new teams you're facing. And he's a 39-year-old goalie. And, uh, you know, I don't think there's too many goalies in the past, in their late 30s, early 40s, that have played really well outside of legends. 
You know, you want to talk about Dominic Hasek playing or something great in his 40s. Sure, that's one thing. He's a Hall of Famer. Mike Smith, he's been a solid NHLer. He's a guy that represented Canada. At times in his career, he's been one of the better goalies in the NHL, but he's not like that lockdown Hall of Famer. And to bet on that going into this next year, to your point, like 50-plus games, wow. That, that like The only thing I could see is, does Ken Holland think that maybe this year during the year, leading up to a trade deadline, he could go get that goalie? Maybe that's what he's thinking. But to me, Miko Kosta and Mike Smith, year three of that. Whew, bold. <laughs> you know what? I, I did not even think about the travel. And I, I know they're first, first class and they're staying in the nicest hotels, but that, that does still kind of wear you down. Instead of going to the hotel right after the game, hopping on a four-hour flight, whatever it might be, getting into a new city at 2 o'clock versus already being asleep for four hours, like it, it, it is a little bit tougher, and especially on a guy like you said, Mike Smith. As good as he's been, he is still 39, father time undefeated. We've said that a lot lately when it comes to him. So, yeah, it's certainly going to be something that's going to be tough to follow. And I don't know, I mean, if you're looking to make a trade, dude, do you just hope that like the Columbus Blue Jackets suck and maybe they want to offload one of their goaltenders? Is there any names that come to mind for you? Nothing comes to mind like for the year, like during the season, because you know we, we've seen those goalies move around. So you'd wonder what happens with uh, I forgot his name, but in, in New York, the Rangers goalie who's asked for a trade um, does maybe it is Columbus? You know, I know people don't want Corpusala, but could Merzlikins be a guy that you can try to snag? Um, if they're not playing well. So I guess those are kind of where you're looking at to start. Um, but, you know, that's also just kind of how the season plays. And, yeah, it's to be in a win-now mode, but kick the can down the road again for your goaltending. Um, I guess the only thing I, I could see maybe for the Oilers is they also think really highly of Stuart Skinner, and they think that he's a guy that can take the net in the next year or two. And why go out and bring in that goalie that you're going to lock down for four or five years when you got Stuart Skinner? Maybe that's what they're thinking, and we'll see. But again, that's also, there's no guarantee on that. Prospects and goalies, what does everyone keep saying? It's voodoo and stuff when it comes to goalies. It's a, that's a bold risk in itself right there, hoping that Stuart Skinner's the guy in two years. Well, and you know what? I mean, Stuart Skinner last year in Bakersfield, he was the guy, but I, I think even Ilya Konovalov's going to come over here, and uh, I think the organization has high hopes for him as well. So I, I think that that situation in Bakersfield is going to be very interesting to watch when it comes to goaltending. You know, I, I would hope, from what we've seen from Woodcar- uh, Woodcroft and his staff down there, like, they develop these guys very well. We haven't seen the goaltender make the leap quite yet, but, I mean, between Konovalov and Stuart Skinner, I mean, one of those guys has to pan out, and I think next season... One of those guys has to be in the in the NHL with the Oilers, ideally as a backup, because uh, because they just need one of those guys to work out. If not, I mean you're you're in the exact same spot you are next year, looking for uh, another goaltender through free agency or trade. Well, and one of those guys also better panel with how they had dealt with the draft this year. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to pass on the goalie and go take a forward, that that to me signals you believe in in those two guys that you just mentioned. So um, that's that makes that makes sense of why the Oilers then traded down. So one of those two guys better pan out then because that's what I think, you know, that they're betting on based on also just how the draft just went. Well, let's get into the draft, Maddie, and uh, we're going a little bit long here, so we'll kind of make this quick if it's okay with you. I don't want to keep you any longer. You know, if you want to d- ditch out now, you can. I've got nothing to do. <laughs> <Okay>. so, <laughs> well, we won't make it too... Uh... I have a very boring life, I guess. It's, it's a little sad. I have nothing else to do on a holiday Monday, but 
Uh, I'm enjoying this. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of the same way. I, I got nowhere to be, so we might as well keep going here. Uh, the Oilers, of course, taking Xavier Borgel from the show win again at Cataracts, trading down to do so. They could have taken Jesper Wallstedt. That's who the Minnesota Wild end up taking with their selection at number 20. Do you think they made a mistake not taking the young goaltending prospect, who a lot of people thought was the number one goalie in the draft? Yeah, it's it's a tough one because I know people are upset that they didn't take him, but it's not like he'd be here than this year or next year. Goalies take a time to develop, and you know maybe he does turn into the new Vasilevsky, and yeah, that's going to be a mistake potentially five, six years from now. Um, but it doesn't help the team today. It doesn't help the team next year. So I don't understand why there's this huge outrage over not taking him when they just used drafted a goalie last year, and they do have Stuart Skinner. And again, they those guys still might pan out, and clearly, um, you know, with kind of all the stuff that they've. They believe highly in them. Otherwise, they would have went with the goalie there. So um, I'm not too upset about it because, to me, none of us really actually know. You know, prospects are so wild, and it's just so uncertain that we'll never actually know four or five years from now. You know, if, if he becomes a better goalie than what the Oilers produce, then, yeah, it's going to be look like a huge mistake. But right now, I just – who knows? You know, how many times have we seen – players get drafted how many times have we seen goalies get drafted and they never pan out or they don't even come close so you know it's great that people want to say he was the best goalie in the draft doesn't mean he's actually going to be that goalie so i'm not going to be someone that sits there and, and, and is too outraged um partly because they also still have two goalies in their system that they're trying to develop um and i'll 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 look back four years from now with the the hindsight 2020 at that point and, and judge it then because I just think with any sport, to judge a draft that day, it's too hard. I'm with you. And I mean, like there's other sports with basketball and obviously the NFL where you're going to see the guy get into the lineup that year and, you know, you can get a good indicator, but it, yep. you still have to wait a couple of years. The NHL, it's such a slow process. And especially like, I, I mean, I could ask you about Jake Chason and Luca Munzenberger, a guy playing in Germany who's coming over to play in the United States in the NCAA ranks. He was their third round pick. But I mean, like we have no idea, especially last year where you couldn't go watch junior games. The OHL didn't even play. Like it, it was just such a messed up season. I, I feel like, you know, there's going to be, some real wild cards in this draft when we look at it five years down the road like there could be a third or fourth round pick who's an all-star there could be a bunch of first round picks who we literally just you know say oh it was kind of a wash a lot of busts coming from that draft because (laughs) the scout staff i mean i've heard it from inside organizations like they didn't even know what was going on with some of these guys well to the point of the draft like you just mentioned it earlier with the neil yakupov draft here of that top five and just (laughs) how there's a lot of swings and misses and stuff like morgan riley's the hit type there and that's we're talking about the top of the draft. We're talking the top five picks or whatever. Like it's just there's no exact science to this. You know, when it comes to the NHL draft, you hope a first rounder makes the NHL. You would like to think a second rounder is going to make your NHL. Third through seven is almost like yeah, if they make it, awesome. But most likely, you're never going to see them in the National Hockey League. Almost it seems like so. It's just everyone on draft they likes to make these massive declarations about this is how it's going to go, but. We all we can look back to every draft a few years later, and we see that that's not the case. So, Boiler's not going goalie; instead, going for okay, that's that's cool. I'll, I'll, in that moment, the scouts have seen more of the tape of those two guys than I have. They know more, they have more insight of what they have in their organization depth wise. 
I'll defer to them immediately. And four or five years from now, when we look back, then we can make a definitive statement. But no one else really knows what they're talking about when it comes to the prospects. I guarantee with most of these prospects, nobody knew who they were until about three weeks ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I'm still on that 2012 draft. Uh, Connor Hellebuck, fifth-round pick, 130th overall, uh, playing with the Odessa Jackalopes in the NAHL. I think that's Texas. Like, that's uh, that's it's wild how the draft works out. So if there's a guy that the Oilers draft late and you have no idea who he is, just be patient, follow his career, and uh, I mean that's a good sign for the Oilers goalies as well. Uh, the guys that they have in the system, not too much top end talent, but if you're patient with it, it could eventually work out. One day it might happen. Matthew, thank you so much for doing this today. I really appreciate you hopping on and uh, giving us so much of your time. You bet. No, I'm glad I had something to do today. Now, great stuff from Matthew Awanik of TSN 1260 in Edmonton. He, of course. Part of the Dave Jamison Show, which you can hear Monday through Friday from noon till 2 p.m. Mountain Time. He'll be in the host chair for the next few weeks alongside with Hernan Salas. Of course, Dave Jamison undergoing the procedure for cancer treatment on Friday. We know he's doing well. The procedure went well. We want to send our thoughts and prayers to Jamo. We know he'll be back behind the mic as soon as possible. And that is going to do it for this episode of the Other Connor Podcast. Big thank you to Matthew Wanick for hopping on today. Really appreciate the off-season rundown. Coming up on the next edition of the show on Friday... We'll continue the offseason chatter with some more members of the local media, get their thoughts on Ken Holland and what his staff was able to do through free agency as well as the NHL draft. But that's going to do it for this one. One more time, big thank you to our sponsor, DraftKings. Make sure to sign up today. Use promo code THPN. A lot of fun with the games going on. And of course, the Hockey Podcast Network. Really appreciate you guys giving me this platform to discuss the Edmonton Oilers. My name is Connor Halley. Give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. We'll talk to you next time here on the Other Connor Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.